0: The Count Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. More hockey. That's three days in a row now with hockey. P- uh, Panger will be with us today. Shannon?
1: You can't have a problem with hockey in Canada. But...
0: Well, I know you don't.
1: No. How do you hockey, mean, hockey, it's... hockey.
0: That's my every, friend
1: every, Shannon. Every time we turn around, there's a couple of stories that just come bubbling out of the concrete. Well, you know, there are always I mean, stories
0: in every sport, if you want to look for not it. Like,
1: not like this. Not like, like Corey what? Perry signing in Edmonton. Well, not, I know, like but, three-
0: you know, it's not that big a deal, you know. It's Corey Perry at age, what is he, 39?
1: 38,
0: 38, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a he was a great player. He is not a great player anymore. He is just a guy. He is a distraction for Edmonton.
1: So you don't, think he, you don't think he'll contribute to the Edmonton Oilers?
0: Oh, I'm not saying that. I think I'm worried about him being a big distraction, though. On a team uh, that's, that's playing
1: very well, that doesn't they need say, a distraction. They need him for the playoffs, Bob. Hey. They,
2: they, they,
1: they need him for the playoffs. Because play as you know, and we talk about it all the time, but playoff hockey changes. So we will talk to... Uh, our good friend, uh, Darren Pang, we're going to wake him up out on the West Coast and talk a little bit about uh, uh, one of the other great stories in hockey, the Vancouver Canucks, and Pang, and Tockett, and Gratz, and all his buddies. So we're, gonna, we're gonna, uh, hey, going to see how much fun next. Darren Pang. Yep. Okay, on the McCowan podcast.
3: Hi, this is Bob McCowan for betrivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP, because you'll earn both loyalty-level points and bonus store points on every real-money wager you make. You must be 19+, available in Ontario only please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of
1: charge. BetRivers.com. Welcome back to the McCowan podcast. Shannon here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Bob McCowan in suburban Toronto and from the great Pacific Northwest, Seattle, Washington, Mr. Darren Pang. Welcome.
2: Well, thank you, John. And, and Bob, it's great to see you, Bob. And uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Being, being where I am right now, this is a, uh, this is a great part of the country, isn't it? I mean, I was just in Edmonton uh, Vancouver for a couple of days and you just forget how, how great it is. Even though it was gray and rainy, uh, you just walk around. I got to dinner with Adam foot and Rick talk at the night before our game and, you just, just the food, the walking. I just outstanding and good to see the Vancouver Canucks playing some great hockey as well. That is,
1: I think that is terrific. I'm glad you mentioned Adam's name because, um, and Rick Rick's getting a lot of credit and he's done a magnificent job. Mm-hmm. But that staff that he's put together, uh, when you think of uh, Sergey Gonchar coming in and out of town as well, that's a really strong coaching staff and guys with. I mean, fresh ideas, fresh voices in many ways, isn't it?
2: You, you know what, John, you're right. And, and Bob, i I, I got to tell you, just because Talk's such an he, – he, he's just one of those guys that he just brings you in. And and it doesn't matter that I'm, you know, working for for the Blackhawks or working for TNT or whatever. It's like he sees – you know the way they got that new hallway in Vancouver. You're you kind of not allowed to go through that hallway. If you're on the visiting team, you've got to go all the way around. And, and we, it's a little we call bit a that tor-
1: that's the That's the Tortorella door.
2: Oh, my goodness. So it was a bit of a pain in, the, pain in the neck. So anyway, you know, we went out for dinner the night before. Talk sees me. The security guard says, no, you got to go around this way and talk. With, and hey, I don't, can't remember what the guy's name is. And talk right over here. And he, after practice, right into their coach's room. And, you know, it's, hey, Mike Pio's there. The Sedin twins come in. Uh, there's Adam Foote coming in hot stove in the video. The video guys are, are right there, and and it's just it just feels like you're going. Honestly, it feels like you're going to a bar talking hockey with a bunch of hockey guys, and I love that. It, Talk's always been a great hot stoving guy. That that's what he loves to do. He loves to talk hockey. He loves to talk what ifs. Would you trade this guy for that guy? That guy for this guy? And that's that's that that's what gets him. I, I don't know. That's what makes him a great coach and an energetic guy, and and he's able to handle all these personalities because there are a lot of personalities on that Vancouver Canucks team, and yet. He and his staff are able to really balance it well, and for a lot of fans out there that, that just think that Sergei Gonchar is just a name, he added to the staff, or the Sadim twins are just names. You, you got to go watch the practice because there's there's the Sedine twins working with Dakota Joshua after the practice uh, on board play or, or handling the puck in tight or whatever. They're out there. They're grinding. They're sweating. They're not. They're not just guys that they uh, they threw on a on a piece of paper and they don't show up ever so i'm really yeah i'm really impressed too john with the entire staff they're doing a great job and footers footers footer i mean he's just such a he's just a hockey lifer he loves and he loves this position i think he loves being you know with this group of guys and and how to deal with them and and uh uh yeah he, it's it's been a home run for talk and all the hirings that he's had
0: our focus of attention really in the west has been vancouver and winnipeg specifically mm-hmm. in canada and justifiably. Uh, meanwhile, the Kraken, where you are in Seattle right now, right? So, yep. uh, the Kraken, a playoff team last year, have been mediocre. Yep. What is
2: what is the reaction in Seattle to the way they've played? Well, it's, it's funny too, Bob, because, you know, we were out here for TNT for the Winter Classic, and the place was buzzing because, remember, they put on a, what, eight or nine-game point streak, and they were they were humming, so the place was really positive and And they came away with a big win in a big moment on a big stage. They didn't fold their tents. They, they, you know, I I think that was a big moment for them, but um, a lot of sports around here, they cover a lot of stuff, a lot of tracks around here. But I think I, I I still believe that the enthusiasm for the Seattle Kraken are really very good. And not that, not that they give them any breaks along the way as as fans, but I I think they just, you know, they, they know they've got a team that first year they don't make the playoffs last year. they, the, you know they come on strong. They've had a lot of injuries this year, and and yet they're hanging in there. And uh, sometimes they're playing great hockey, and sometimes it j- just goes, you know, doesn't go as well. But uh, I, I I will say that you go to a, a game here, Bob, and there are what ninety, maybe a hundred percent. Everybody's got a sweater. Everybody's got a hat. Everybody's got a Seattle Kraken something. I mean, it is it's absolutely amazing how these fans just buy into their sports and and, and the Seattle Kraken. Huh.
1: You think. It, it, you think there's a chance, Darren, uh, and you're going to laugh at me, Um yeah. by getting to the second round of the playoffs last year, the, the expectations got too high? I do. I, I think that happens all, you know, all the time. I think
2: they knocked off the defending Stanley Cup champions in game seven. I mean, they played an amazing brand of hockey last year. It was every single line was fast and furious. And then because of the success of last year too, fellas, they – you know they end up losing their fourth line. That was good. You saw Daniel Sprong score a huge goal for the for the Detroit Red Wings to win two to one the other night in the uh, the, the marvelous uh, Michigan Sunday there with the Lions winning and, and with the Wings beating Tampa Bay. And then you know the uh, Ryan Donato's you know signed a two year deal with, with the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, I think I I'm, I'm missing somebody out there. Uh, uh, Boston Bruins, I um, uh, signed there. So they had their fourth line. And and th- that line got rewarded, and then this year it took them some Is that time. Cooley? To... Is that but, Cooley? That's right. Uh, no, not not. Uh, sorry about that. I'm losing it for a second. Not not Cooley. His brother was just drafted or in the first round as well. Geeky. Uh, sorry about that.
0: Right.
2: Uh, um, yeah. That's so geeky. Right. And yeah, and all of them were so good last year instrumental. And then this year, you know, you 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 take some time, and and they don't kind of have that just yet. So. Uh, that's a big part of the Seattle Kraken and the way they play with four lines and four lines hard and fast and furious. And then Jaden Schwartz goes down, you know, and that, that kind of, you know, it's really taken back a little bit. I think he's close to returning though, which is good.
1: Okay. So oh, he, I'm, in Ed- yeah. I, I'm in Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit of oh, news I've seen a here a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. yeah there, there's a little news here and, and it's not about a 13 game winning streak, which is, which should be news. Um, Our friend Kenny Holland yesterday announced the signing of Corey Perry. Um, first of all, your reaction to the signing. And secondly, you saw him up close and personal for a lot of games this year already. Um, what will he mean for the Edmonton Oilers?
2: Yeah. And, and one, I'm I'm not surprised. I mean, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of general managers, Kenny included that asked a lot of questions to, to a lot of people about, about Corey and, and, uh, you, you know, what happened off the ice was going to get, you know, was going to get settled one way or the other from the NHL. So you knew that he was either going to return or he wasn't going to return. Once once the word gets going and Pat Morris and, and you know, and, and the NHL, you know, say, well, this, you know, he, he's going to pay the price, which he did already, um, that once he's available to play, can he play? What kind of role can he play? What I found in, in Chicago, guys, is that um, he started the season with, Jake and, uh Jason Dickinson was a Centerman. He had Nick Felino on, on the left and he he obviously on the right. So they they played their 12, 13 minutes. They were the kind of an identity line that Luke Richardson really, really counted on to get things set with this young team. And then then you've had Corey Perry. He jumped up on the power play. So Edmonton already knows that. They, they, they know that they got a net front presence guy on the power play. And with the way the puck control is on the outside. He's perfect for that. Uh, Kenny Kenny had asked me. I'm sure he asked a, a million people. And, and that's what I told him. If, if you are if you can identify a down-low game and you've got the players that know when number 90 – well, he's number 94 with the Hawks. But number 90 gets down low or Pat Maroon. All, all these veteran guys. Nick Foligno is another good example of that. When they're on the ice, the puck has to go down low because that's where they're at their best. And so that's what Edmonton older fans are going to find that, that – Uh, once he gets down there he hunkers in he protects the puck he gets a little help now you can bunt it back to the point then he goes to the front of the net so um, can he play absolutely no question about that Um, what I found with him was just a an absolute like delight I've never worked a team worked on a team where I had Corey Perry on I knew him from the outside I knew him from loads of games that that I've done but now I got to be in the locker room and see him every day and uh, you know the He's just got a he's got an infectious personality. Um, I'm going to keep with the hockey stuff and and how he is in the locker room for what I saw, how he is on the ice, how he can banter with the other team when the pressure's on a little bit. He's able to slide in there because I do a lot of games between the benches. He slides in there. You know, uh, what's his one nickname? Worm? and he gets right in there with all the guys and he just, and he'll chirp at somebody and he'll kind of take away some pressure from the bench. And then, you know, and, and everybody respects him, and, uh, and he can give it back on the bench and on the ice. And then, then obviously the the pace of place sometimes guys is going to be a challenge for any of the guys like Pat Maroon or, or Corey Perry, but somehow they know how to get it done. They know how to win stick battles, 50, 50 battles, get the puck in deep and then they're off and running. So, I think this is a good signing uh, by by Edmonton and, and something that's needed on any team that thinks they can push down the stretch.
0: But I think it's surprising, at least surprising to me, that he signed there. This is uh, the best team in the NHL right now, Edmonton. Yeah. They won 13 straight or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't it surprise you that they would take, you know, this kind of, I don't know whether you call it a taking a chance, but, mm. you know, could this... Uh,
2: refocus them and upset them at a time when they're playing so well you know it is a good question because if you had a, a player come in bob that was um very ego driven and and a player that wasn't a winner and didn't check their ego at the door i would absolutely 100 percent agree with you on that bob but that that's why i think this is a good signing because he has gone into other locker rooms he went into dallas he and and just blended in and you saw at the at the end of it all man there he was right in the thick of things and with everybody he has that personality bob that's infectious and he doesn't drive people away from him and make it about him um and obviously we know he did that in montreal he did that obviously in tampa bay so in this particular scenario i, I would say i'd say it's it's worth the gamble all the way around uh, to have him in that lineup and, and you know the other thing i found about him is if he wasn't playing a lot, he wasn't a whiner. He's not gonna drag everybody down, Bob. He's not gonna oh, woe is me. I'm not playing. I'm all oh. right. and you know, yeah, we yeah. know those guys. They go in the locker room and they just you can just feel the air being sucked out of them because it's all about them. But that's that's not the you case. Played. That's with why he has been around for so long.
1: We've all played, played with, with a few. few.
2: <laughs> 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 well, I'll I'll be honest with you. I, I probably was that guy, you know, for a little bit of time before. Um, before I had a teammate you know, slap me upside the head and say, smart enough, we need your energy. And, and I remember that happened to me one time, and I remember it was a bit valuable lesson, not only for me personally, John, but for me to watch as I've been in broadcasting for over 30 years, to watch locker rooms and to watch how it's right. done. And, uh, and so, yeah. yeah, so you're right. We've all seen them for sure. <laughs> I,
1: I think the key thing, Darren, I, I, I think you'd agree is that Corey Perry, and you, and you touched on it, is happy playing 12 minutes. Because that in theory in this system he's he uh, other than special teams um he will play between 10 and 12 minutes five on five every night that's all uh and he's gonna be he's gonna be in on line three or line four and be happy D- don't you think that's the case
2: yeah I, I think that players um you know like like Cory that are so compet- competitive and and in Chicago obviously this is a still a rebuilding team for what the next two three four years who knows how long That takes but if you're playing 12 minutes and and you're and you're losing big um, and you feel like you you can give more well then obviously those players they're 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 not happy competitive wise you're winning hockey games and he's playing 12 minutes and he's battling and getting you're getting something good out of Corey because he's getting pucks down low and he's battling like crazy and yeah absolutely he's he's all in I mean I think he's I, I I don't know for sure I talked to enough of his close friends that are around the league that kept in touch with him as soon as this all occurred in Chicago and that his contract was he was released from his contract. Is that is that he's like he just he wants to win again. He you know, I know he signed in Chicago and there was you know, there was a different opportunity for him to be a leader and to be looked upon and see a Connor Bedard and to be with a guy like Felino, I'm sure, and, and kind of build the product here. And he was offered a lot of money with a lot of bonus money, too, at, at, right. at that age. And so now he's got a chance. Now he looks at it again. I mean, Kenny Hollins wanted him and chased him around for how long now, guys? <laughs> you know, and now he, he finally caught him. He's, he's finally grabbed a hold of him. And, yes, is it late and is it a bit of a gamble? Yeah, likely it is. But I, I, I still believe that that type of that type of personality and that type of winning nature that he has is still a, it's worthwhile. For sure. sure. and, I, and I know, and I know they've won right now. I know the 13 games they've won, but every manager looks at your team and says, well, we're not going to win like the next 32 in a row. Like there's always some warts on your team that you, you're identifying. And, and I think that's quite simply what Kenny Holland is doing. He's like, Hey, you know, like when this team, if this team, it goes in a bit of a, a spin, he's the perfect kind of guy to, in that room to, to, to get it out of the guys and to get going. He's not afraid of the, of, of the atmosphere or, or the losing He's more into getting it changed very quickly to a winning environment.
0: He's a high-profile guy, and he will be a a focus of attention for some period of time. And uh, what we think in the media or what fans think really is irrelevant. The question, I think, is what will his teammates think? You know, these guys look at the mirror and say, well, we've won 13 in a row. We don't need a guy like Corey Perry, who's very high profile, let's be honest. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not just uh, some guy. He's uh, he's a significant addition Yeah, um, in terms of uh, his stature in the game. Well, your
1: point. To your point, Bob, and it's a really good one, um, You know, 2017 is not that long ago. And the Anaheim Ducks came into Edmonton and Corey Perry... And Ryan Kessler drove the Edmonton Oilers crazy. <laughs> and and Corey Perry did absolutely if you watched him closely in that whole series, Corey Perry did anything to win. He would cheat, he would poke his mother, he would do anything to put the puck across the blue, across the goal line. Um, and I I think it's fascinating if you if you had told people in Edmonton, Darren, that. <laughs> Oh, by the way, five, six years from now, Corey Perry's going to be an Edmonton Oilers. No way. We hate him. We don't need Corey Perry. They will love Corey Perry here. And that no, and sure. because There's of, no I'm
0: doubt. Just, I'm just worried about him being a distraction.
1: Oh, I don't. Right. Uh, there, this, yeah, I, I think that's a fair comment. I, I, this, this dressing room has a ton of strength now. Connor McDavid has really come into his own as a leader. Zach Hyman is a leader. Mm-hmm. Matthias Ekholm is a leader. Yeah. This is a this is a much different group than the fragile group even that was here at times last year. And I think I I I think what they went through as a team earlier this season has now become a rallying cry. And I I I think that they know. Listen, they know they have a chance to win the Stanley Cup here now, don't you think, Darren? And I yeah, think I do. players, I, I think I, players embrace that. Do you know?
2: Do you know how many guys uh, on that roster, you know, have played against, you know, Corey for for just a number of years, faced off against him? Wonder what he was going to say to the bench. Wonder if they were going to get stuck in the uh, stuck yeah. between the legs in the corner. Wonder. And, and and you know and all their buddies that have played with them say oh you you're, you're going to love this Corey Perry you know you're going to you're just going to love this guy he's just going to blend right in with you guys and then when the when the battle is really on you know he's got your back so listen I'm not making him out to be uh you know Gila Flur you, you know he's he, he doesn't go end to end and and uh and and toe drag guys and dangle he's just a meat and potatoes guy he's just a guy that mm-hmm. knows the how, the, the game of hockey and the I guess the the guts of the game of hockey which could be Bob what you're talking about getting into a locker room um it's not his first rodeo going into a new locker room I no, I, mean, I know that you, yep. you know and that's and that's that's why I believe that this is a this is this is a really good fit and and ego wise I mean you know they they're also looking around the room and saying how many how many Hart Trophy and and, and how many um, Rocket Richard Trophy winners and Stanley Cup winners do we have in this room? Okay, how many? Well, one, one guy puts up his arm. It's him. So he carries around some cachet as well. And uh, a guy like so Ryan Con- O'Reilly Conor, would be a good Conor's example. Connor's not alone anymore then. No, right, exactly Darren? right. He's, but <laughs> Connor hasn't won a Stanley Cup yet. You no, know, that's so right. and that's, you know, he's like, you know, and I know it was a long time ago, but. No, I, I often think of guys like Ryan O'Reilly that I've got to know real well. I mean, he's won, he won the major awards. He went into St. Louis. They'd never won the Stanley Cup before. He brought them the prize trophy. And then he goes into Toronto. And if you, you, know, you guys were watching last year's playoffs, I, I was lucky enough to do a lot of those games. And Ryan O'Reilly didn't walk into a locker room and take it over from Austin Matthews. He just went into that locker room and did his work and his work ethic and what he did on the ice. That was the leadership. It wasn't what he said in the room, or it wasn't the interviews that he did that that no, none, none of that bothered anybody. It was what you put into the game and how hard you work, and then the success you have. and And I think Corey Perry's, uh, you know, I, I think that I think that's why that's that part of it's going to be good. And you should see him work with the younger players. Okay, you know, there's many times in Chicago where you look down, they've got a great practice facility, Bob and. And you you go early, and there, there's there's Connor Bedard, and there's Corey Perry. The little nuances of how to you know taking pucks off the boards, or protecting yourself, or protecting the puck, um, and you know that's if he if he wasn't an all in team guy, like he he wouldn't be sitting there doing that and, and making a young player like that better. He's going to help a lot sure. of these these young players in the Edmonton Oilers as well, especially getting to the front of the net and tipping pucks and doing all the little things. Right.
1: Um, you mentioned Connor Bedard. You know, it's a frustration for all of us who were going to be excited to see him play a whole season. And just like Connor McDavid in his rookie year, got injured. Connor's now, Connor Bedard's now had the surgery. I, I'm I'm not sure he's still drinking through a straw or not. But um, he, what's your expectation of when, if and when Connor can come back and play for the Blackhawks?
2: Well, you know, number one, he does look good. I, I saw him a couple of times uh, before we left. Uh, Chicago you can't keep him off the ice you probably saw that video clip and I'm not sure Bob, if you saw it but uh before the the Hawks left on this road trip it, he he was on the ice first and then the players, the regular players came on for power play he got booted off and then uh he tried to come on again and then the Zamboni was he had to get off and then he tried to come on again and then he had to get off I mean for three times he, <laughs> he, he he's he's getting on the ice um but he looks good like uh you know um I I'm not uh, I don't know exactly what the fracture is or, or how it is, but there's a lot more rubber bands now that, that are being used. So the eating problem, the eating part of it, it's not like it used to be through the straw. I think he's, he's, uh you're obviously, um you know, what are you doing? Taking a lot of protein shakes and you're eating a lot of your, your food. Right. Sure. Like you're, but, but you're asking, Macau,
1: you're asking McCowan and me about protein. Yeah, shakes? That's, There Seriously? we go. Yeah,
2: there we go. <laughs> but he's, but he's doing really, really well. And, uh, and, and when he does get to return, he's, He's just going to jump right back into it. I feel really bad for him. Obviously, being in Vancouver, um, you know, on Monday night last night, and you know, he he was really, I mean, he was really looking forward to that. I mean, can you imagine going back to your home, your hometown, the team that you just adored growing up, and and then it just all comes to a halt. The All Star game comes to a halt. The, you know, I mean, that's 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 not easy. But he's had a lot of good veteran players around that have helped him through this process, and I think he's doing really well. His attitude is exceptional exceptional, an exceptional person. I'm really impressed with, I'm not just the hockey stuff. I'm really impressed with how he handles everything. Just a really, really good kid to be around. And he loves hockey. And uh, I can't wait for a couple of years when he likes, he, he, He's got a really good sense of humor, and he's just going to give it back to us every once in a while, too, when he starts feeling a little more comfortable, which is going to be great. All the great players have a quick wit about them. They all have, even though you don't know that. The Joe Sackett's unbelievable at giving it back to you. The Eisermann's unbelievable. Muriel Lemieux and Gretz, and they're, they're all uh, from the same clock. They they love the locker room, they love the spirit, and they love to give it back. And uh, he's going to be something else. I, I I can't
1: imagine. We've spent a lot of time. We're with the Darren Penn. Oh, sorry I was going to go I, I, go I think ahead. we should go to break Bob. I think okay. we should go to break We're with Darren Pang, who's in Seattle McCowan's in Toronto, Shannon's in Edmonton. The McCowan podcast continues after this. Welcome back Darren Pang's in the Pacific Northwest uh, you know, you've you've mentioned two guys that I, I as soon as you said it earlier about Rick Tockett loving the hot stove. Mm-hmm. nobody loves the hot stove more than Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, is, is that is that their connection? I mean Because let's face it, they you know they became great friends, and no two guys played the game differently than Wayne Gretzky and Rick Tockett. But yeah. they they still have a love and passion. What were what were those nights like when Tock was on a roll and Wayne was on a roll?
2: <laughs> I got to know them both real well, you know, in those Phoenix days. The uh, the then Phoenix Coyotes, uh, right. now Arizona Coyotes, but man, we—you uh, know—it th- was just every day you wake up. There's there's something there's something going on. There's a competitiveness about those two guys. There's a yes, the hot stove element, the green room after the game. Wayne with all the people that he knows, talk with all the people he knows. Alf Samuelson was part of that coaching staff. Rick Bonus was part of that staff. Barry Smith. I mean, it was. It was just non nonstop. And how do they get to know each other? I mean, playing against each other in the Canada. I mean, playing with each other in the Canada Cups. That was that was you know those were big big days. Uh, uh, I guess the Flyers final was that eighty seven. That that
1: yeah yeah Rick was a big part. I mean, the Oilers were supposed to win that series in five, and then the Flyers went and won two in a row, and we we had to have game seven back at Edmonton, right? And and then just and
2: sports in general, like they're both Gretz is just a fan of all sports as, as you know like and talks the same way and they, they they love that competitiveness they love to break down teams i mean i i sat there met met talked for dinner we were waiting for for adam adam foot and, and his wife to come into the restaurant and we had one you know one quarter of the chiefs game going well wouldn't you know what this restaurant we're at doesn't have a tv and we're both sitting there like no tv right here and so the, the bartender grabbed my phone he, he went on some site uh he goes blah 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 blah. He switches a couple of things and boom, next thing you know, we got the fourth quarter live. And so there's talk and I we're going back and forth on on the NFL. I know nothing about the NFL, although I am I'm a Chiefs fan just because of my son in law being from Kansas City. And but that's his that's his passion. That's his that that's that's his giddy up and go right there. And I think both Gretz and he are in fact I think Gretz FaceTimed us uh during that because he was watching the football game. So I mean I don't know. That's yeah. anyway. It's a good. There's a good spirit about it, and you know, you know that talk as the All Star coach uh, in Toronto, which was, if I'm not mistaken, John and Bob in 2000. I, was, I mean, I was still at ESPN. I, I know I interviewed Wayne. Is that the is that the All Star game that they retired his sweater league wide? Wayne went on did. the ice and dropped the puck. Yeah, yeah. So well, do you remember and, though? He he
1: he decided to retire. He and Janet yeah. had a conversation on the beach in Tampa the year before at the all-star game. And yep. that was when he said, okay, Janet, I'm done.
2: And when he won we the MVP
1: football. in Tampa Bay. That's right. And so the second half of the season that year was the whole farewell tour that ended on that Sunday afternoon at Madison square garden with the 25 minute standing ovation. Unbelievable. So, and then Unbelievable. And the following year, there was the retirement of the number 99 through the league. And that was one of those things was at the all-star game in Toronto.
2: Okay. So, so now I'm sitting there with talking, he's, He's like he wants Gretz to be on the bench with him. Well, now this whole this whole thing has come up with all the the celebrities being part of the coaching staff. So, uh, which will be a lot of fun anyway. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I mean, I it's uh, the the All Star game as we well know isn't the most in, intense thing. I used to be on the bench as well and interview. No about the, yeah. <laughs> I used to interview the coaches Bob too on the bench and it was like, well, it was you know, and it, and it used to be more 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 intense so hopefully hopefully the guys can show up their skill in a better in a, in a better pace to the game and and show the you know the world that they're you know <laughs> that, what kind of players they are with a little bit of speed to them
1: as long as as long as they they don't turn around and ask bieber and tate mccray for autographs okay oh I mean, my goodness <laughs>
2: i mean i still i <laughs> still wanted to see justin bieber and 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 jordan binnington do it. Remember they were talking about doing a 10 game shootout, a 10 round yeah, shootout. And they all I had know. this money. Yeah, they held this money going for charity. So I was uh I was well, talking How about that.
1: how about the thing when it, when Pronger took uh, took Bieber out in the corner?
2: Oh, that's right. <laughs> Gave him a little <laughs> shot in the corner. Oh my goodness. That's great. As only Chris Pronger could. As only Chris well, Pronger Austin could. And, Chris Justin,
1: Pronger good, so
2: yep. But doesn't that doesn't that tell you again like the younger players like Wayne always? It was always fascinating how many people Wayne knew. He knew every single buddy in the world, and uh, and and he could bring anybody in or go to a restaurant and do with anybody. But it's kind of neat for me to see Austin Matthews, you know, have this relationship w- with Justin. I, I've never met him before, but he's it's a pretty powerful. Uh, identity and, and personality, and yet they're, they're just probably two young guys just talking whatever they're talking about, you know, hockey, sports, music, themes, video games, I don't know, but uh, but they are a really close friend, which is kind of neat to, that they'll be together on the bench. Or, yeah, one's on the bench. Hopefully one's dangling on the ice.
0: we uh, we spent a lot of time focused on the West. Mm-hmm. What about the Boston Bruins in the East? They are clearly the best in the East right now. Uh, I think there's seven points up on uh, the Panthers, something like that. Is this team a, a really a Stanley Cup type team? Do you think they're that well, good?
2: Well, I do. Um, I really do, actually, and I think turning the page, whether you know they want it to or not, uh, with Krejci and and with with Patrice Bergeron. You know it's time for the other trees to grow around them and the foundation that those two players especially Patrice Bergeron and before him Chara set is uh is well in play there and so yes I I do believe so I um I, I'm not sure they're the top of the top but but I am sure that Jeremy Swayman's a heck of a goalie and and Omar if you want to call him a I don't know, 1B, that's, that's as good as it gets around the NHL, even though he struggled for whatever reasons last year in that seven-game series. I think they learned from that series. I think they learned how to handle their goaltending. I mean, I think you both would agree that that was a very uncomfortable situation for them. You knew one was falling off the rails a little bit, but they stuck with them. And you yeah. make a change in the last game. I was lucky enough to do that game seven, Bob. And you could feel the tension in the air. You could feel with every mistake the fans were just kind—they of, were collapsing, they were caving in—and then you could also feel the Matthew Kachucks and the and uh, the Brandon Montour's just take that over for the Florida Panthers that had nothing to lose on the road, Game Seven. And but but yes, in answering your question, yes, I do believe. I mean, if you look if you look at that team and you look at the way Charlie Coyle has come on or a Trent Frederick, you know that guy's. He's a former first round draft pick that started as a fourth line in and out, third line. Like he, he's a heavier player. He's more of a playoff driven player, and I think he'll like guys like that are are really important for for the playoff run. So, um, do I think they're yeah? Do I think they're contenders? Yeah. Do I do I like their D? Yeah, I like I like the big boys that play the big minutes. They've got you know long sticks, stop the cycle. They can move the puck up the ice. So yeah, I would I would say that they're contenders, Bob.
0: It's really interesting. Because the Bruins were a club maybe two, three years ago. We thought that was it. They've had mm-hmm. the run. Now they're going to settle back into maybe the bottom, but probably the middle of the pack. Yeah. And here they are. They've been near the top uh, for as long as I can remember almost. This is a long run with now a another group of players. That it's not the same guys over and over again. This is kind of a second generation of their success.
2: Um, I don't really have a question regarding it, but I agree with you. I agree with you, Bob. I think, like, I mean, I mean, the ability to move along from great players and somehow transition into to the next group, man, it's not easy. I just, you know, because I almost unprecedented, right? And because I saw Detroit success. Yeah. Well, had, okay. Great example. Like maybe, I don't know if, if the, if the Detroit Red Wings are a good example, but winning the way they won with that, what, that 2002, what did they have nine or 10 hall of famers and maybe more to yes. come. And then I know it took a little bit of time later, but, but then, you know, Zetter, Zetterberg and, and Datsu, then, then it became their team. I know it was Lidstrom's team during that, that win, but they were able to kind of segue that group. And then bang, right. they, they, you know, then they, they win another one with a group that stuck around for another ten or twelve years. So, um, but again, you're right; it's not easy because there's so many times that those guys take up so many minutes. They, they're they're they they're big egos as well. Not that they mean to, but they survived without Chara. They're going to survive without Patrice Bergeron. They're going to survive without Krejci. I think they've got to. I think they've got to strengthen up the middle for their. You know, whether it's a second line or a third line, sometimes Charlie Coyle takes up the, the number two spot. Sometimes he's better suited for a number three spot. Whatever it is, I think that's that's the area that they they they've got to make a move, or I think they want to make a move uh, come come playoff time is to is to improve uh, at that center ice position. But I think there's a demand for the same player for four, five, six teams in the NHL. We talked about Vancouver. Sure. You don't think? Yeah. I mean, they think they can win it all. They're going to add uh, as, as well to strengthen up their forward position. I'm sure. And Boston's going to do the same thing. So how many other teams are looking at the same player right now? that That's what's going to be interesting for me come trade deadline time.
1: Second line centers.
2: Second line second centers line, and another defenseman.
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Sam right. Lafferty for
2: Toronto was a good, you know, it was oh. a good pickup. Um, you know, I mean, you look at even Zadina for, for Vancouver. I know it was earlier done, but it's a good pickup for them. He, he plays a game
1: in which they need it. Um, so... Well, We'll see. The, the 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 fascination for me about Boston is, uh, you, you know, Jim Montgomery uh, admitted his mistakes, and I think that was an important part of the end of last season. Saying I screwed up, like they yeah. should have played both goalies. They should have played. They played both goalies all sir long. Darren, why would it? Why would it change in the playoffs? It shouldn't change in the playoffs, particularly the first round, right?
2: Particularly with two goalies that don't have the experience. Of being number one guys we're not talking patrick wall and dominic Kashuk here or or, or marty birder you know we're talking about two guys that are unbelievable i i've never i mean i've seen a lot of tandems get along this is genuine you know you see a lot of tandems get along and it's kind of i'm not sure if it's real or not these guys are real these are two un- incredible calm guys when the pressure's on but that was a really unique and difficult situation i felt i felt like uh, here's how i open up the show on tnt if that was if that was me starting Game Seven and I haven't played in the series, first thing I do when I wake up, I always throw up. I go to the rink, I get on the skates, I I'd try to get some food down. I probably get back to the rink, I throw up again, and then it's okay. Let's go, you know. <laughs> let's get a couple of coffees in me, some smelling salts, and let's go. But I, I really felt the pressure as a broadcaster for one of the first times in a long time. And I felt for Jeremy Swayman. And by the way, he gave up a goal on the first shot on Brandon Montour going down the wing and the whole building went whomp. And I give him okay. credit because he battled his ass off to get back into that uh, that game and gave them a fighting chance,
1: which was a good experience for him as well. You know, we've talked about Kenny Holland. We've talked about Steve Eisenman. We talked about general managers. We don't talk about Don Sweeney very much.
2: No, you don't. You're right.
1: And, and you know, that's almost part of the Bruin code too, isn't it?
2: Yep. Yeah. They keep a lot of their stuff on the inside. Uh, they, yeah. yeah, and it's, it, you know, it's it's nice seeing Cam. And by the way, a shout out to to Cam Neely as well. Uh, recently, they were in St. Louis, and as 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 a lot of hockey fans know, if you follow him on Twitter, by my good buddy and your Kelly Chase is battling cancer, is a form of leukemia, and the amount of guys that have stopped at I think it's Sightman Cancer in St. Louis uh, while they're in town to drop in and say hello and just give them a pat on the back. And Cam Neely uh, recently did that as well. So well done, Cam. I know that meant a lot to uh, to Chaser for sure.
1: But 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 Sweeney seems he he swings for the fences every trade deadline. He's yeah. got one of the best. You, you know, Bob talked about you know do you upset the room at all um, by adding bodies? Sweeney's never been afraid to add bodies. And you make it, you make it wondered like as a player in one of those rooms, do you feel like if the manager goes out and adds players, is he saying we believe in you and we better, we can, we can make it make a big dent in the playoffs. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes. I, I, I think there's two parts of that. If the manager adds seven guys, (laughs)
1: he's (laughs) telling
2: you, I got seven guys that aren't good enough to play. (laughs) If he adds one guy, um, and everybody uh-huh. knows that's what he's got to identify. And somehow he goes out and lands that guy. Wow. I mean, that's big for a room, you know, that's big. Yes. Well, some guys have to check their ego at the door and their minutes, maybe they're not going to get the two or three extra minutes. Maybe they're going to go from a number one power play to a number two, or maybe from the number one PK to the number two. But I mean, if you're all in it to win, I mean, man, and that I think I would personally rather have a manager, identify a weakness now if there is not a weakness and everybody knows there's not a weakness but the manager goes out and adds something and it ruffles the feathers well that's the okay. fine line for managers to decide as well right. uh, because right. if a manager stands still if i'm not mistaken in 2019 doug armstrong i believe he only added Delzato. so many people said well you didn't add- much but he had he added all his guys in the off season, and it took him that long to get these guys I use that term check their ego at the door but it's very very true uh he he already added O'Reilly and Maroon and Bozak and David Perron so at the deadline he just needed a depth defenseman that could jump in there as a seven or what what whatever may happen so sometimes you don't need to do something because you've already done it prior to that or in the off season, which a lot of managers believe in that aspect of trade of, of making moves too so it doesn't upset it for the last month and a half and wow what if this guy doesn't blend in what if he you know what if it is a complete failure and and I'll tell you I thought last year in game seven one player that I think is probably looking forward to getting back in the playoffs is Hampus Lindholm because I I didn't think mm-hmm. he had you know for such a significant player and 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 in addition and they signed him to the long-term deal uh there was a team in the in the central that I think they thought they had him but he wouldn't sign the deal so he, Boston has that luxury of being the Boston Bruins in the great city that it is and being in the East. But he didn't have a very good game seven. And I was right there and I saw it. So I think there's some players on Boston too that are highly motivated because they know that was not their best in a pressure-filled situation.
0: You guys were talking about number two centers being so valuable. And there's several teams probably looking for a number two center. But you wouldn't go and get – you wouldn't – be interested in Tavares? Would you? The money prohibits that, doesn't it?
1: Well, you're, yeah, not, get, think- you're not getting rid of John Tavares because they're going to make the playoffs. So you need John Tavares for the playoffs yeah. yourself. Well, i yeah, but-
0: Well, maybe, but uh, oh yeah, you're not getting
2: yeah. rid of Tavares. But I think too, Bob. The other, I mean, the other thing too is he controls. Just say hypothetically. Let's say that they're, they're real strong up the middle. They re-signed Ryan O'Reilly last year, and they were, you know, now all of a sudden he's he's more obsolete not obsolete but a, a guy that wasn't as significant in the roster but i mean he controls it based on his contract anyway but a, a player like like you know like every team like let's say let, what teams boston could use a centerman florida's set at center when barkov ends up coming back uh you know the rangers the philadelphia flyers we, every time i look bob you, you'll love this because you're you love your hot stove and hockey right now and play but Every time I scroll down and I see the Philadelphia Flyers get <laughs> second in the Met, I I still go, how the heck did this happen right here? And yeah, how are they waiting for a the other day. Yep. Jeez, it's amazing. So and like like Philadelphia probably thought at this point as a as a management group and with Keith Jones in charge and, and everything, they're probably they were probably thinking, okay, what what are we going to unload at this point of the year to strengthen our cupboard and bring in some you know some some assets and prospects? And now they're sitting there going. We're in the playoffs. Are we going to add something there in Philadelphia?
1: Yep, I agree. <laughs> well, right now, so here we are. Where there, mm-hmm. you know, the last starting the last week of January, we're six weeks from the deadline. There are twenty-five teams that think they might add because <laughs> they, they, you know, and everybody might, you know, there, there are obvious teams that aren't going to add. Ottawa's not going to add. You, you know, Columbus no. is not going to add. Um San Jose is not going to add. The Buffalo's Blackhawks. Not gonna add. Gonna, oh, I think Buffalo thinks they're still in it, Darren. I think Buffalo is one of those guys on the cusp that might think, "Oh, what do we need? You know, uh, t- can we afford another year of being close?" That yeah. fan base there's getting pretty impatient.
2: <laughs> yeah, and you know they are, and for good reason. I mean, this was this was a uh, this was a a season in which you have to be close you have to be in the mix at the very end you have to put these young players um, under under the microscope of pressure when it when it's coming down to the very end and as it looks right now they've got a lot of teams to jump I mean Pittsburgh's the one obviously and in, in that loss the other night was pr- probably discouraging for that group and how they rebound oh. from from there is going to be very tough but Ottawa I think Ottawa under new management I can see some core players that fans in Ottawa thought were core pieces. I, I can see a, a move, a shift in what their nucleus is going to be, you know, so I, I, I can see them being aggressive on the movement. I'm not, I'm not sure actually about Columbus Buffalo. I've done a ton of Buffalo games and, you know, I, I I'm just, they're better than this. <laughs> That's all I can say. They're better. They're a better team than this, but they're, they're not playing like a better team than this. So that would be a bit discouraging for, for them for sure. Um, Boy, the Detroit Red Wings, they're right in it now. And this is exactly what Steve Eiserman and the coach, that's exactly what they had to be. This is what Buffalo thought they were going to be. This is what Ottawa thought they were going to be. And there's Detroit. They've got some spirit about them right now. And they're a team to, to, to look for. But that's a tough Atlantic division. Man, oh man, that's tough. That's going to be great between Toronto and Detroit. Down the stretch we go. That's going to be unbelievable to watch those two teams go back and it's forth. Be,
1: it's going to be great. Actually, let me let me ask you that. So they they played a couple of Sundays ago, and the Red Wings had horrendous travel issues. Yes, they did. That's right. And they didn't get to the rink until six fifteen. Yeah, it's almost like when they were playing Bantam. You know, get to the rink at yeah. six fifteen, play at seven thirty. Every kid's done it, right? Um, yeah. Then they go out of the ice and beat them. I mean, how does that how does that happen, Darren? Is that's, that just uh, energy? Is that just, is just playing on? Cause the the Maple Leafs sitting at home, you know, they played the night before sure, but so did the Red Wings. How, how, does, how does a team that arrives at the rink less than two hours before airtime and they, they beat the Maple Leafs I, to me that I'm flummoxed by that one.
2: Why to me, that's a, a galvanizing point to their season. And I think, I think you saw that on the bench afterwards. I think that was one of the best regular season celebrations I've seen, other than maybe a team getting into the playoffs. Okay, the New Jersey Devils, when they beat, and I was in net, when John McClain scored that goal in 87-88 in to get into the playoffs and knock out the Rangers and, I think, Quebec. That was the greatest regular season celebration I've ever seen. I don't think we'll ever match that because they had to win in <laughs> overtime. But, but I think that one – that shot of the bench afterwards and guys jumping up and down and going back and forth. That tells me all I need to know about the, the Red Wings at that moment, how big that game was to go into Toronto, the almighty Toronto Maple Leafs with how, you know, with how, how they're um, regarded and, and the big presence that they are. And there's there, there they were and and won the game. So I love the spirit of that game. I think even the Mm -hmm. coaching staff of Detroit was, was really thrilled with that, that, uh, the energy that they had when they, when they won that game. So sometimes a little adversity and winning under adversity, man, does that ever go a long way? And that, and that yeah. it tells you what kind of team that they are or are becoming anyway, that was a big point for the Red Wings. And they've, and since that point, man, oh, they, they have been a humming hockey team. They've been great.
1: Memo to your pal, Memo to your pal,
2: Steve, take the train, take the train. <laughs> um, in all i think he i think he recommended getting on a team bus and and driving three and a half hours rather than doing what they did i'll, I'll just i'll say that mickey redmond i think was was driving from either detroit or from peterborough because he was at the farmer he was there he drove he beat the team i think steve drove and beat the team so yeah i think the simplicity <laughs> of getting on a bus might have been the, the best recommendation but as it turns out They battled the elements. They got their food on their private 22-minute flight, and and they were Mm. able to win a hockey game. So all good. They probably spent more time in their cars uh, getting ready to get on the plane, sitting on the plane, landing in Toronto, going from the airport to the rink. But, you know, at the end of the day, it it worked, and they were galvanized.
1: Hey, before we let you go. We got to get uh, out of
2: here. Yep. one,
1: one one one, One quick question. You went back to St. Louis. Yes, uh, as a broadcaster for the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, what was that like? <laughs>
2: Incredible. That was it. Really, yeah, yeah, really, really, really good. Um, you know, you you don't know when you go back to something like uh, how it's going to be. So it was it was awesome. <laughs> yeah.
1: Chokes yeah. me up. I know, I know, I uh, I watched and it was uh it was oh yeah how could i miss that i mean you going home after 13 years in st louis with what you meant to that franchise yeah
2: that is uh 14 14 years yeah it was really something else
1: could you imagine and i know you you played in the league but can you imagine being a 14-year vet and going back and playing against your old team and and trying to hold your emotions it's crazy no
2: no, and, and I, I can't actually. I've said that many times because I've been between the benches where I've saw, I've seen uh, that type of emotion earlier this year. Eric Johnson got a two-minute standing ovation. Um, I saw Jonathan Quick the other night. I was balling my eyes out seeing him, you know, return yeah. to L.A. Um, and then you got to somehow perform. Like, for us, I'm an emotional guy, as you can see. Um, and, but then we still have to talk. And it was, you know, so yeah.
1: you wish you could anyway- go
2: around – yeah, and, and say hello to everybody, and that's what I wanted to do, to be quite honest with you. But I tried as best I could. I, I went out to a local pub and I met as many people as I could there and
1: had a couple of cold ones. But yeah, thanks for asking about that, John, because it was really special. Uh, it looked like anyway. Appreciate the time. Appreciate you getting up early after the charter from Vancouver to Seattle.
2: It's my pleasure for you guys. Anything, Bob? Great to see you. Um, great to see you, Panger man. Keep 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 grinding, buddy. Keep grinding. I will. Okay? I Thinking will. about you all the time. Okay. Thank bye. you. Thanks, John.
1: Talk That's Darren, Darren Pang, TNT, oh, Chicago Blackhawks, NBC Sports Chicago. Bob and I'll be back after this. So I take it uh, you 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 asked about the Boston Bruins. Did you watch them play last night? No, I didn't. No. Okay. I'm so sure you did they, uh, a little bit. I was I was traveling a bit, so. Um, but I'll tell you what. You know, they, we we've talked about the Oilers' thirteen-game streak. Boston has only lost one time in regulation in the last 14. Well, they they surprised. They're, they're, they're an impressive hockey team. The one thing they did last night was they really – they put Winnipeg in their place. Uh, they beat the Jets in, in – uh, I know, and that's significant, right? Well, I think it is, I, 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 but I wonder what effect it will have on the Jets. The Jets are on their way to Toronto today to play the Maple Leafs on Wednesday night. Uh, but you wonder – if there's any level of doubt coming through the Jets, there shouldn't be because they're a really good team. No, I don't but they think so. the Bruins, They play- got
0: beat by a really good Boston team. You know, yeah. this Boston team is
1: shockingly good in my opinion. Yeah. You're, you're. And when you talked about, they have been so consistent for such a long period of time. It truly is amazing.
0: Well, it's been what? 10 years, maybe more. They've been really well.
1: Deadly. They won the Stanley. They 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 won the Stanley Cup in two thousand and eleven, and they have been and they've been in the they were in the final again in fifteen. Uh, they have been consistent for more than a decade. You're right. You're right. absolutely right. And and they've some gone of, through some... a
0: generation of players too, it hasn't been the same right. players. They they have switched over to a new generation of guys, and it's rare that teams are able to do that instantly. It usually it take four or five years of
1: downtime before you get back up again. They did it right away. Right away. You got to stop talking hockey, Bob. You talk too much hockey. No, you do. What are we doing <laughs> tomorrow? Anything good?
0: We're
1: going to ta- we, talk football and baseball.
0: Oh, good. That's better.
1: Because oh, uh, oh, well, you, 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 you like talking hockey. I know you do. So it's okay. <laughs> McCowan, Shannon. He's waving his hand at me. Just don't give me the finger, okay? We'll see you tomorrow.